Welcome to Behind the Bookshelves. My name is Richard Davis and this Abe Books podcast is dedicated to telling the stories behind books and the people who love them. Today we're considering the science and the pain behind heartache. Our guest is journalist Florence Williams, who's written a book called Heartbreak, a personal and scientific journey. Sadly, Florence's marriage unexpectedly collapsed after 25 years, and she found herself heading in a quite unexpected direction. She decided to investigate the science behind the pain of a broken heart and turned her learnings into a book. So today we're talking about love, loneliness and recovery. Welcome, Florence. Thanks so much for having me on, Richard. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Um, so I'm sorry you had a rotten time, um, <laughs> but why did you decide to write a book about something that's a well, a painful and personal subject? I was wondering if it was therapeutic for you. There are so many reasons why I thought this would be uh, a good book topic. I mean, for one thing, heartbreak is actually one of the most painful emotional experiences we can have. And I felt like that wasn't really fully acknowledged. <laughs> um, I, one, one scientist I talked to said heartbreak is actually a hidden landmine of human existence. And that's because of the really profound impact it can have, not just on our psychological health, but on our physical health. Um, so one thing that happened to me was that I got sick. I was really, you know, I was really stressed out. I'd never experienced heartbreak before. Um, as you mentioned, my marriage had lasted 25 years. I'd actually met my husband when I was 18. So uh, it was really all I had known, you know, as an adult. Somehow I had managed to avoid that, that sort of near universal experience um, of heartbreak and that essential sort of stage and development. And so it really surprised me how much it hurt. It really knocked me out. And as a journalist and as a writer, you know, one of the one of the ways I, uh, you know, I cope is is to write about th write about things, write about pain. And even though it was painful to spend those additional years, you know, sort of working through the story and writing about it, I was really motivated by this idea of kind of wanting to help other people understand, you know, what a powerful experience this is. But why the science? Like really, you think of heartbreak as an emotional experience, but you started to consider it as a scientific or a medical or a health, almost a health experience. Why? I think it's one of the great misunderstandings we have that heartbreak kind of exists in your head uh, and that it's a big emotional blow. And so, you know, when my body started breaking down a little bit, especially my pancreas, <laughs> I... Um, I actually developed uh, stage, uh, uh, let's see, how do I say this? Um, I actually developed type one diabetes, which is an autoimmune disease. Um, I talked to other people who'd been through you know, sort of very serious also emotional events um, who'd also um, gotten this diagnosis. And I talked to a researcher who said, yeah, you know, actually people don't really recognize this, but so many diseases, including diabetes can be triggered um, by stress and by emotional, by especially by emotional unease, sort of deep emotional unease. And, it, you know, it's impossible to say whether my diabetes, you know, really was a result of heartbreak um, or something else. You know, in any kind of individual person, it's hard to find a cause and effect. But I, I just felt like this story needed to be told that 
our emotions really do find a place to land in our bodies. And, and that that's why we need to kind of understand them and also recover as quickly as we can, because these have big impacts on our life and on our health. So I particularly enjoyed certain parts of the book where you became very determined and you were either challenging yourself or, or carrying on with your work in a certain way. Uh, so in one instance, you, you kayak solo down a river, a very lonely river. And another instance, you go out into the wilderness with a, a, a group of women who have had a very difficult time as sex workers. So as I read those bits, I can see you being active and being challenged. Isn't that a great way to cure heartbreak? It really is. And that's why I wanted to write those chapters. And, and, you know, I mean, I was journalistically motivated because, you know, here's something that actually, um, you know, that can be uh, a way to talk about the information that can be helpful to other people. But also I was very motivated to try to get myself, you know, out of this place of loneliness and grief uh, and emotional trauma. I don't want to compare sort of my emotional trauma with that of other people. I mean, these, these sex traffickers, yeah, former sex traffickers that I spent time with in the wilderness, um, you know, have had just an inc incredibly challenging um, personal personal lives, incredibly difficult difficult time. Um, but I felt like by spending time with people who had sort of extreme ends of trauma, there were lessons for all of us in terms of maybe maybe being in a quiet nature spot could be helpful, and why. So. So that was a really interesting trip because there were trauma therapists who were there as part of that. We, I think we spent three days on a backpacking trip and just watching the women kind of start to feel their bodies again after being kind of numb um, because of their trauma was, was really a powerful thing to witness. And then talking to the therapist, talking to the leaders um, about, you know, how, how we start to pick ourselves up from trauma and the importance of um, rooting some of that work in motion and in activity, um, as you say, in, in this kind of almost adventure uh, was, was fascinating because just talking about your trauma doesn't necessarily um, get to sort of, you know, the brain pathways that are really stuck in place and stuck in places of, especially of memory. People talk about trauma as being a disorder of memory. And so, so sort of waking up your physical senses becomes a really important part of healing. So I can't remember, but did you share your problems with uh, the, the sex workers who'd obviously had their problems with abuse and, and other serious issues? Yeah, I, sure, I did. You know, there were a lot of um, just close conversations going around, um, a lot of sharing and... Um, I did. <laughs> I did talk to them about myself a little bit. You know, I, you know, obviously I wanted to really, you know, report about their experiences, but, but they are so good at talking and at being compassionate now, you know, they've done actually a lot, a lot of work on themselves already by the time they get to this backpacking program. Um, they're used to sort of um, a lot of kind of group sessions and prayer. There's a lot of prayer. And they ended up even praying for me, which was kind of embarrassing because I thought, oh gosh, you know, really I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I still have a house. I still have my kids. You know, I still have family. Um, I don't have, you know, like deep childhood trauma like so many of these women do. And, and yet 
I think, you know, one of the amazing things I learned is that um, healing is, is part of the, is part of what's contagious. You know, people talk about post-traumatic stress sometimes being contagious, but so is the healing. And so I think it was helpful for them and helpful for me, you know, to talk about, um, to talk about our processes in general. And, and if, if that could be helpful to them, I was, I was all in. Right. Um, so it's very brave of you to put all your feelings and uh, to really open yourself <laughs> up and put it all down in a book. But if I was heartless and someone was to say to you, just pull yourself together and get over it, what would you say to that? Has anyone said that to you? Uh, no, they haven't. But I, I can completely actually relate to that sentiment because before I had been heartbroken, that's completely what I would have said. Um, to some of my friends who seemed to be sort of overly dramatic, you know, about what a big deal heartbreak was. I mean, you know, clearly um, the person who had broken up with them, you know, was was kind of a loser, right? And they should just get over it. Like they're lucky, right? They're lucky they got out of it. They're lucky they're not with that person. But um, when it happens to you, it's a very different experience. <laughs> I think it's also, it's a very kind of... Um, you know, Western response, uh, kind of an American and a North American response, you know, to say, oh, you know, just pull yourself up. You know, we emotions aren't such a big deal. Um, you know, we're productive. Um, we're productive people and we should put a happy face on and just keep going. Um, but it turns out that these kinds of emotions, you know, are really deeply embedded in our nervous systems. Um it's, it's not just something we can um, put a happy face on and, and put a Band-Aid on and, and move on. I mean, these scars really can stay with us for a very long time. And in fact, by acknowledging those, those scars and by acknowledging kind of the emotional earthquake that has taken place, um, I think therein really lies the root of, of very fulfilling healing because there's growth that comes out of that recognition um, there's a growth that our emotionality is a part of being human. It's a part of being who we are. And once we can learn to sort of open our hearts to that, we can really increase our capacity for love. And, and that's the ultimate, I think, lesson of the book. And for me as an individual, um, that going through this actually has made me a more compassionate and better person. I think uh, the just pull yourself together mentality is a very uh, English thing for for me coming from that background um, but I appreciate that it's difficult when something goes on and on in the same way kind of like a pandemic has gone on and on your uh, when something has ended after 25 years you're thinking about it for month after month after month so I, <laughs> I understand I understand what you're saying um, um, so one example I can't remember if you if you mentioned an example that's in the book, but for me, I often see news stories about two elderly people who've been together for decades. One dies and the other dies within hours or days of the other one. And for me, I think that is real heartbreak. Heartbreak as in, I just decide I've had enough. Do, do you agree that that sort of, when you, you have a relationship that strong and it ends, that's real heartbreak? I, I do agree with you. That's that's what I would call literal heartbreak, uh, which is certainly something that can happen uh, when you're experiencing, uh, you know, as I, as I say, these kinds of emotional heartbreaks. I, I not necessarily um, think one is more real, but it's certainly it's certainly um, it's certainly literal and physical. 
And in, in fact, this is a condition that I talk about in the book. It's called Takatsubo, cardiomyopathy. And it can happen in times of extreme grief. Um, uh, it can happen when there are emotional blows. And so sometimes one member of a couple, a loving couple, uh, or, or, you know, if a child dies, um, it, it's not uncommon for the survivor to experience so much stress on their heart that it stops working. Uh, and it's actually distinct from a conventional kind of heartbreak in which, you know, there's a piece of plaque that breaks loose and blocks an artery. Um, and people who ex experience Takotsubo, it's not always fatal. It's actually not usually fatal. Um, but someone goes into the hospital with sort of classic chest pains, um, you know, um, trouble breathing. And um, it, it, what happens is the arteries are perfectly clear, but there's a, a lobe of the heart that has distended because of the presence of stress hormones, um, you know, hitting, hitting those cells in the heart and, and making the muscles kind of um, distend in this weird way. So it stops actually beating properly. Uh, and, and it's really only been in the last, I think, about 15 years that that condition has been uh, acknowledged because of imaging technology that can look that can look into those lobes of the heart. Right. So you also write about your children uh, and they seem to cope pretty well with the breakup. Why do you think that was the case? My, my children, they're teenagers, and they have been such a tremendous inspiration to me. Um, they've somehow been really resilient, more so than I would have expected. I, and that's a good question. I, you know, I think that the main, sort of the main factor there is probably that they're still very, very close, you know, to both of their parents. And that um, I think we were very careful, you know, in how... Um, we presented, you know, our our heartbreak and our experience and our divorce to them. Um, I, I think we tried really hard to act like adults in front of them, <laughs> and and even and even sometimes not in front of them, which I'm proud of. I'm really proud of. I think that we said to them, look, you know, we're still a family. It's just that it's going to look different from how it looked before, but we're still here for you, and um, you know, we still love you. Right. So it takes um takes a few years to write a book and publish it. I, I'm wondering if you're recovered now from the breakup of your marriage. Ah, well, I think it depends how you define recover. <laughs> and I do. I mean, I feel great. I feel great. I feel happier in many ways than I've ever been. I feel like I have learned how how to be brave and how to sort of live with uncertainty. And, and certainly these are lessons that have come in handy uh, during these pandemic years. Um, but the thing about heartbreak, too, is that, uh, and grief in general, is that I don't think there's there's sort of a gatepost that says you're you're done now it's over and when we when we place the burden of expectation on these kinds of emotions i don't think that that does a service to anyone i think that there we have to acknowledge that resolution is sometimes um, imperfect um, and yet that that sort of recurrence sometimes of, of emotionality around it the sadness that we sometimes feel I think that becomes part of who we are in not always a bad way. Um, you know, as I say, it can kind of open us up to the pain of others and um, can can drive us with some purpose and meaning um, to help other people who are going through a hard time. So I don't I don't necessarily um, um, want to block out 
you know, the fact that there isn't complete resolution. And I, I think that that's just um, a burden that, that we don't really need to bear. So you're okay then? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Yeah. yeah. And I'm really excited about this book. I, I you know, it, it is really personal and it's, it's new for me to be writing on such a personal level, but I think we need to talk about these things. And I think when we talk about them, we feel less lonely, which is kind of the surprise, right? It's, it's, these emotions can, can help isolate us. And yet when we talk about it, we can, we can really help reverse that. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really excited about this and I'm, I'm excited to hear from other people about their experiences too. Okay. So what you went through is sadly very common. Um, if someone is going through a breakup now, what would you recommend they do? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's such an individual journey, I think, for everyone. But I think that there are some elemental sort of qualities to recovery. And the first one is that you know, your nervous system becomes so agitated. Um, our, our kind of animal bodies, our mammalian bodies don't like to feel like they're alone. Uh, and that's, that's why our nervous systems get so amped up. You know, we sort of think that there's a threat out there coming to get us. And so it's important, I think, first to just sort of calm down because no healing is going to happen, um, you know, when we're sleepless and, um, you know, incredibly agitated. Uh, and, and there are lots of ways, I think, that, that we can find calm. You know, for me, it was often being outside in nature, um, being with friends, um, you know, listening to music, doing things I love. Uh, working on, you know, some meditation and things like that. But but people are going to have different ways that they like to do that. And then the next thing is really connection. So it's first calm, then connection. And for me, that meant connection to nature and connection to friends and family and other people that, you know, as I say, make me made me feel less alone. And then the third piece is really making meaning from your experience. Uh, and, and again, that has to come, I think, after the first two um, and, you know, and also ultimately the meaning shouldn't just be about yourself, right? It should be about, um, I think, helping other people and being there for other people too. And of course, there's a lot of science about why that makes us also feel so much better. I totally get the, the healing power of nature. Uh, why, oh, yeah, why kayaking down a, a lonely river works for you or just walking, just walking and thinking. Uh, mm -hmm. I think um, I, I get that. I understand that totally. Um, well, it, it's super exciting to hear how excited you are about the book. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you also have a, an audio version of the book that's going to be a little bit different. Perhaps you want to tell us about that. Yes. Um, thanks for asking. Uh, you know, the book is written in the first person. And so for the audio book, um, I do narrate it. And during the course of the reporting, I um, kept an audio journal, and I also taped all the interviews with the scientists, um, uh, with the clinicians, with the people I met along the way. I ended up, I think, with something like 150 audio files. And so I worked with Pushkin Industries to uh, produce an audio book that actually layers a lot of that in. So it ends up being kind of this hybrid, um, almost hybrid podcast and um, audio book, and I'm really excited about that. Wow, that sounds good. Uh, all right. Uh, right, Florence. Um, our final question, which we ask to all of our guests, and it is, what book or books are you currently reading? Ah, yes. Thank you so much for asking that. 
I am reading right now a book by Catherine May that came out last year called Wintering, The Power of Rest and Retreat in Difficult Times. Uh, and it, it really makes, I think, a very cogent case for why it's okay if we sometimes step off of this expectation for productivity all the time uh, and, and look at winter as a time of uh, renewal and um, sort of going within a little bit, not something that we're necessarily so great at doing in, in, the, in our modern times. Um, I'm also reading um, a new book that's not out yet. Um, and it's, uh, it's, an, it's a memoir of abuse by uh, a man named Stephen Mills, and it's called Chosen. Um, and and it's it's really beautifully done. Um, we we haven't seen a lot of abuse memoirs written by men, uh, and um, it's it's just very brave. It helped me understand um, more about um, trauma and recovery. And then um, the third book I'm reading right now is very different. It's called The Free World: Art and Thought in the Cold War um, by Louis Menand who is a historian, and I love it that he combines um, sort of biographies of, of interesting people in the 19th century, a lot of artists, uh, philosophers, writers, um, along with their kind of contributions uh, to culture. So it's got, it's got some good gossip, and it's, and it's also got some good thought. Excellent. Quite a variety. That first one sort of sounds like the, uh, the healing power of uh, lighting a fire, curling up with a good book and a glass of wine in the middle of winter. Exactly. And, and giving ourselves permission you know, to do that, which I think sometimes is, is hard to do these days. All right. Well, permission definitely granted for that one, I think. <laughs> all right. OK, uh, that's all we have time for today. Uh, Thank you to Florence Williams, the author of Heartbreak, A Personal and Scientific Journey. Thank you so much, Richard. I hope you get out to enjoy some nature soon. I will. As soon as it stops raining, I'll be popping out to enjoy <laughs> some more nature. Uh, thank you so much. Um, thank thanks you. for listening. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. Uh, my name is Richard Davis, and you've been listening to an Abe Books podcast, and we'll see you all again soon.